0: Okay, all right, if you have a Bible, I would love for you to turn uh, to Matthew 9. If not, maybe we'll have it behind me and you can see around me or through me. We're going to begin at verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom Now let's pray. Lord, we pray uh, today uh, that you would speak to us. Uh, we want to hear from you. We, we need to hear from you um, more than we need to hear from anyone else. We need to hear from you. And so we pray that you would give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, Amen. So I'll just throw this out there in the beginning just to kind of get us started. Uh, you, you guys need to be praying for me. You've heard me uh, say that God is, has anointed me to shoot basketball. But it's only in an evangelistic way. When I just go out there by myself, I, I can't hit the broad side of a barn. But, but when, when it has to do with evangelism and the guys that play on our courts, I, I basically make everything. And so last Wednesday after ours together walking out, after the classes had ended and the guys were out there playing and and uh they you know at first they didn't know who i was and now they call me preach and so i walk out the door and they said hey preach and they throw me the ball and the pressure was on and it was a three-pointer from the corner and it rimmed out and the first thought i had was the you know the verse where Samson, in referring to Samson, it says, and the spirit of the Lord had left him and he didn't even know it. And uh, so pray that, this, that the spirit, the anointing uh, for basketball returns. I, I need that. Okay. So we started this church in 1999. If you were here last Sunday, I, I said that we we're going to talk a little bit about vision today and, and, and where we're going uh, we started in 1999. Charles syneth was our, our founding pastor. And uh, uh, he he had a vision for a, a church that was based on scriptural integrity. That was the thing uh, that he was about, a, a great foundation to lay for a church, scriptural integrity, following the Word of God, believing the Word of God. And we started the church in 1999. I, I took over as senior pastor of the church in 2002, And have been the lead pastor for the last 18 years. And our vision for those 18 years has been community transformation. And I I don't anticipate that that will ever change. Uh, I believe that community transformation is our assignment from the Lord. I I believe it is the reason that he called us to be here. uh, to, To see this community transformed by God. Now I do believe that our understanding of what it means and our experience of how it feels and and how it looks will change over time. Uh, I believe that that is by design. I believe that is by God's design. I think he shows us now what we can see and what we can handle and, and what we can get our brains around and then he takes us to another place and another place and another place. And I believe that his... Uh, revelation of the vision that he has given us is ever expanding. Uh, We know that change can be hard. Uh, I've heard it said that the world is divided into two groups of people, people that hate change and people who absolutely hate change. And and I know that, that change can be hard, but I also know that change is necessary and that change can be very good. Uh, The truth is, when it comes to Riverstone, uh, people will come and go. People will come and go. I could do a show of hands today of how many of you were here in 1999 when we started, and uh, I don't think it would be very many. Uh, People come and go. Some of our staff will retire Some will leave, and still others will be added. Many from this congregation will be strategically sent from this place to other places. Because part of the calling that God has placed upon us as a church is to be apostolic. And the apostolic calling always involves sending. Uh, I want you to know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, that my plan... for for Tom Tanner, is that I would be here for 8 to 10 more years. I'm not ready to retire. I believe that uh, my job for the next 10 years is to prepare Riverstone for the next generation. For the last 30 years, that has been the call on my life, is to prepare the next generation and to speak into the next generation. I remember one time, I was talking to a group of people who, are, who were a little bit older than me, and I said, You know, we need, as a church, to raise up a new generation of leaders. And there was somebody in the group who raised their hand, and, and she said, Well, what's wrong with the current generation of leaders? And I said, Well, we're dying. We're dying. We're getting old. And eventually, we we will have the privilege of going to be with the Lord. Uh, our job as a current generation of leaders is to raise up, give to, serve, and bless the next generation, the coming generation. And so I believe that my job for the next 8 to 10 years is, is to... Invest in that generation and get them ready to take over and to take Riverstone uh, to places bigger and better than than she's ever been. So I want to walk through kind of who we will be, who we will continue to be, what we will go after, and why. Uh, We will continue to be a house of prayer. We will continue to be a house of prayer. and, And understand this, the number one reason why we will be a house of prayer is because Jesus said... My Father's house is supposed to be a house of prayer. So we will seek to be a place that seeks God first. We will believe in a good, holy, powerful God who hears our prayers and responds to our prayers. We emphasize at Riverstone intimacy with Jesus. And I don't believe it is possible For a person to have an intimate relationship with Jesus and not have a developed life of prayer. I believe that prayer is the key to intimacy. And so we will continue to be a house of prayer. We will continue to emphasize intimacy with the Lord. We will continue to call people into a personal relationship with Jesus. We will continue to be a church that says, we don't want to make plans and then ask God to bless our plans. We will seek to be a church that gets before the Lord and says, God, what is the plan? What is the plan? You tell us what you want us to do. We will continue to be a house of prayer. Secondly, We will continue to be a house of worship. The value for the people of God gathering to worship him and experience his presence will never end. It will never end. The value for the people of God gathering corporately to worship will never end. The reason that I say that is because it is the one thing that we know for certain we will do for eternity. The one thing that we know for certain we will do for eternity is worship. Corporate worship. Coming together, engaging the presence of God. If you have succumbed, to the cultural norm of being a casual church attender. Someone who just drifts in occasionally. They say that being an active attender in this day and time means you come twice a month. That's active participation. If you have succumbed to the cultural norm of sporadic church attendance, I just want to say to you, you're cheating yourself. You're cheating yourself. You're not cheating me. You're cheating yourself. Because God has called us to come together, to gather as a body and worship him. It is the most important thing we do. Worshiping God, worshiping Him, is the most important thing that we will do. It's the most important thing we do because it's the thing that we will do forever. We are made to worship God. We are made for it. We were created to worship Him, and we weren't, we weren't created to worship Him from a distance. We're not created to gather here on earth and worship a god who's seated way up in heaven, we are created to gather together in the presence of the living God, knowing that he is here among us, with us, in us, and to worship him up close, up close and personal, not from a distance. Now let me say this about Riverstone. God has blessed us God has blessed us. If you're new here, there are things that you need to know about worship. Just so you, you can just know. You don't have to try to figure it out. We worship longer here. We're not interested in singing two songs for 10 minutes and sitting down. 10 minutes of worship for us, that's just not going to get it. So we worship longer. Uh, we'll we'll worship thirty five minutes, maybe forty. We're, we're get, we love to worship, and and we are excited. We are so blessed to have Austin to lead us. Austin and and Alyssa and and the rest of the team, who also have names. Uh, <laughs> listen, guys, listen to me. They're not up here to perform. They're up here to call you to join them on a journey. An incredible journey into the heart of God. And there's no better place to be. And if you want to talk about community transformation, there is no place where transformation occurs more readily than in the presence of God in worship. In the heart of God. So we will continue to be a house of worship. We are his people called to worship him. Do not settle for less than he's offered. Do not. He has offered us this intimate relationship with him that's real and alive. He has said, come and worship me, not sing songs about me, not even just sing songs to me, but he has said, come together and sing songs with me because I am in you, singing through you, singing to each other, worshiping corporately. It's incredibly important. Do not take it for granted. We will continue to be a house of worship Uh, Third thing, we will continue to believe God for healing. We will continue to believe God for healing. Streams and streams of people have come through the doors of this building seeking healing. Physical healing, relational healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing. People have been drawn here by the Spirit of God to find healing. God loves to heal. He is in the healing business, always has been. The scripture we read this morning talks about Jesus, that he was going from village to village and healing all the sick people. He, he loves to do that. And we will continue to believe God for healing. The night of healing prayer, people come. The last Thursday of every month, they pour into this building because they want, they're desperate for Healing. The healing touch of God. And they come into this place and they get prayed for. And we have testimony after testimony after testimony of people being healed, radically healed in this place. And most of the ones who come for prayer, they don't go to church here. But they've heard. Riverstone is that church that prays for sick people. Let me tell you what my prayer is for Riverstone. This is my prayer, that we will not be known as that church that prays for sick people. I pray that we will be known as that church that was a catalyst for all churches praying for sick people. I long for the day when people don't have to come from another church to Riverstone on a Thursday night to get prayed for for healing then we can turn our our attention on praying just for the lost to be healed. But we will continue, in whatever way God calls us to, we will continue to pray for healing, to believe God for healing, to pursue healing for our body and for our community. Uh, I, I, I heard somebody say last week, or actually two weeks ago, I watched this. A video that somebody sent me and uh it was a guy he's actually actually a friend of mine and he was saying that inner, inner healing shouldn't be necessary that once you get saved everything should be fixed well it should be but it's not i mean i i don't know i just you know i'm sure it's on our end but i just know people who are messed up i know people who love jesus Who are messed up. And and one of them I know really well. I look at him in the mirror every morning. And people have issues. And we have emotional issues. And we have trauma in our lives. And we need to go deeper with the Lord. And inner healing is an incredible tool that God has given us. And Sozo that we use here at Riverstone is just a tool. It's not Sozo that does the trick. It's the Holy Spirit who does the trick. Who brings the healing. But he's using this tool... At our church, and we will continue to use this tool at our church for healing because we've seen the fruit of it. And we haven't seen anything that makes us want to stop. And so we will continue to believe God and pursue God for healing. Uh, We will continue to believe God and pursue God for the healing of families and the healing of marriages. If there is anything, any one thing that needs to happen to really Turn our community around. It's the healing of the family. It's the healing of marriages. If if we can become a place where marriages are strong, where families are strong and hungry for the Lord, we will see our community transformed. I I pray for a day where Cobb County is known as the place where marriages are strong. I'm just going to, you know, let's move to Cobb County. I don't, you know, from wherever you are in the country, we're having marriage problems. Well, okay, we can go to a marriage counselor or we can move to Cobb County. Why don't you just move to Cobb County and go to a marriage counselor and, and make, it, make it happen? We believe that God created the family. Marriage was his idea. Read about it. He put it in a book. Read about it. God created marriage. He designed it. He knows how it's supposed to work. And So we want to be a place where marriages are healed, where marriages are strong, where families are strong. We will continue to to believe God for healing. Now, number four, we will double down on training and equipping. Because it is the job of the church. It's our job. To train and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I'm not sure when it happened. It was probably around the time of the Reformation. There were a lot of good things that came out of the Reformation, but one of the things that came out of the Reformation that maybe wasn't as great was that there was an ever-increasing divide between the laity and the clergy. And we came into this place where the clergy were supposed to do all the work. And the laity were just supposed to come to church and put money in the plate. And those days need to be gone. The job of the church is not to do the work of the ministry. The job of the church is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And we will double down at Riverstone, on training and equipping. That is the call of the body of Christ, to train and equip and release. Train, equip, and release. RS Together classes are designed to train and equip the saints. Cell groups, home groups, are designed to train and equip the saints. The leadership opportunities that we provide to you, being on the altar ministry team, being on the night of healing prayer team, being on the SOZO team, are to train and equip the saints. One of our hopes, if you are on the altar ministry team, praying for people up here on Sunday morning, our hope is that you will become so anointed in praying for people that you will not only pray for people here, but you will pray for people there. That you will pray for people standing in line at the grocery store. I'll tell you a quick story. So Mason, my son, who moved to Nashville about a month ago or two months ago or six years ago. I don't even know how long ago it was. A couple of months ago, he's on staff at a church up there. And he told me last week he, he was leaving Church. They had just launched their new college ministry. He was on his way home. It was 11 o'clock at night. And Hannah, his wife, called and said, Bring me a spicy chicken sandwich. And so he goes to the drive-thru at Wendy's. And he orders a spicy chicken sandwich. And then he sits and he waits and he waits. And he says, Dad, you know, it's 11 o'clock at night. I'm the only one there. It's taking forever. For them to make one sandwich. And I find myself getting impatient. And he said. And then I just stopped. And I said. Okay Lord. I can sit here and complain. About how slow they are. Or I can ask you what you're up to. And so he said. Lord. You know. What are you up to? Is, Is there something going on here? Do you want me to pray? For this lady. And he said. The Lord quickly spoke to him. And said. I want you to pray for this lady. She has a sister. Who just received a bad diagnosis so pray for her so about that time she comes back to the window she hands him his sandwich and she says i'm so sorry for the weight here's here's your sandwich and mason says uh so i'm a i'm a christian and i try to hear god and do what he says and i was praying for you while you were making my sandwich and, he, and the lord said that you have a sister and she said yeah i have a sister And Mason said, and and she just received a bad diagnosis. And the lady's eyes just got big as saucers. And she said, yes, my sister was just diagnosed with sickle cell. And Mason said, could I pray for you? She stuck both hands through through the drive-thru window and said, please, please, please pray for me. So he takes her hands and he prays for her. And then she says, where do do you go to church? And he says, I'm on staff at Cross Point Church. And she said, I'm coming to your church because I need you to keep praying for me and for my sister. So guys, yes, we want to pray for people here. It's important. But the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry is for out there. The equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry is out there so that you can pray for people in the drive-thru at Wendy's or Chick-fil-A, wherever you go, okay? So more than ever before, we will double down on training and equipping. And then fifth and finally, more than ever before, we will turn outward. We will turn outward. We will seek to serve and add value to our community. To serve and add value to our community. Uh, Brooke had a conversation with someone in the community recently, and and we were offering our services. We were basically saying, how can we help you? And you know what their response was? What do do you want from us? Basically, what, what do you want from us? And she said, we don't want anything from you. We want to give to you. We, we want to do for you whatever you need. We're not looking for anything in return. And, and this grown man was brought to tears because there was a church out there who just wanted to give to them and not take from them. We are seeking to add value to the community. If you look up the Greek word ekklesia, ekklesia, most definitions will say church. But originally, what ecclesia meant was a gathering of elders, believers, to discuss how the church could add value to the community. It's not just about us, guys. God has called us together to make them better, to make the community better. We want the people of Cobb County to say, we're so glad Riverstone exists. Do you go to Riverstone? No, never been there. But I'm glad they exist because they make our community better. We will intentionally turn outward and we will intentionally reach out to people that others have forgotten. We will intentionally intentionally through Alpha and through other ministries of Riverstone seek to engage in relationship and, and call home people who have wandered and people who have never known the Lord. People that have been kicked to the curb, people that have been dismissed, the people that Jesus called the least of these will become our brothers and sisters. And we will intentionally go after them. We will plant churches that plant churches. In the last 12 years, since we moved into this building in 2007, in those 12 years, we've planted seven churches. Now, in this day and age, a lot of people are planting churches, and the average, about 50% or, or 40%, Of those churches survive. We've only had one church. That didn't make it. We will intentionally. Plant churches. That are healthy. Going after the right things. Doing things the right way. We will plant churches. That plant churches. Now we all know. uh, Because we've come here. We've gathered in God's presence. We've experienced. The presence of God. We know that God's presence changes a room. We know it. You've heard me tell stories. There was one time in Florida where I walked into a room that was so thick and so heavy with the presence of God that I turned around and walked back out, took a deep breath, and went back in. It was like I was going underwater. It was so thick. But the tangible presence of God changes a room. He is so real and he is so present that he can change the atmosphere in a room. Now, here's our question. We believe that he can change a room. Do we believe that his presence can change a city? Do we believe that the presence of God, the tangible, felt presence of God Could change a region. I believe if he can change a room, he can change a region. He can change a state. He can change a nation. Right? He can change a world. There is no limit. You know what God does first before he changes a city? He changes a person. you know what the key to the tangible presence of God in a room is? The tangible presence of God in people. You and me. Us being changed. Us being transformed into the image of God. You and me looking more and more and more like Jesus. First God changes us. And then because he is in us, we actually have the power. To change the world. Think about how crazy that is. Think about how radical that is. To to think that you and I have the power to change the world. We do. It's not our power. It's God's power. But God has put his power in us. Through the Holy Spirit. And we actually can change a room. When we walk into it. If we walk into it intentionally, allowing the spirit of God to be released from us. God put us on this corner. God put us on this corner. When we were looking for property, we looked all over the place. And every time we'd pass this corner, my wife says, you know, that's our corner, right? And I said, well, you know, there are other places we want to look around and get, you know, the best place. And she says, you know, that's our corner. Right? And so here we are. God put us on this corner for such a time as this. The world is confused and lost and losing hope. And the question in their hearts is Is this all there is? Is this all there is? I have a friend named Rich, and Rich is a pastor, and uh, his father was a pastor in a a major denomination. And Rich left that denomination to plant an independent church. He just believed that, that there was more. He believed that God was calling him deeper and calling him to more. And so he left the church of his childhood, the church where his dad was still a pastor, and and he planted this independent church. And and one Sunday, his dad came to visit. And he was so nervous. He was so nervous because he said, you know, we're we're Holy Spirit people. And, And sometimes... In worship or sometimes on a Sunday, things get a little out of hand. And, you know, my dad is coming and he hasn't been around that. And I, I'm just, I was so nervous. And I was basically praying that day, you know, Holy Spirit, just behave today. <laughs> just, be, just behave. And he said, sure enough, we'll get in worship and things just start getting Crazy. He said, People are dancing and, and people are falling out. And he said, I'm just covering my face and I'm thinking, Oh God, oh God, oh God. And uh, worship, you know, they go through the whole service and things in. And he said, We ride home. He said, Not a word. In the car with my dad, and he doesn't say a word. We get home, and it was an evening service. And so by the time they get home, it's bedtime. He said, I just. My wife and I went to our room and went to bed. My dad went back to the guest room and went to bed. No, not a word was spoken. He said, I got up the next morning. I heard my dad knocking around in the kitchen. I think he was in there trying to make coffee and trying to figure out where things were. And he said, I got up and I went in the kitchen and there's my dad. And I said, dad, are you okay? And he said, my dad looked at me and a big old tear. Rolled down his face. And he said, son, all my life, I knew there had to be more. There had to be more. We are Holy Spirit people. We're not ashamed of it. We're not going to hide it. It's what makes us alive It is the power of the Holy Spirit that will allow us to be agents of change in this community. We were made for this time. There's never been a time in history that I would rather be alive than right now. Because the world is lost. The world is confused. The world is angry. The world is asking, is this all there is? And we have the answer. We have the answer. This time, right now, is our greatest opportunity. Our finest hour. The best time ever to be alive. And I cannot wait To see what God is going to do in this church and in this community. I've never been more excited about Riverstone than right now. Right now. Get ready. Hang on. You're in for the ride of your life. Now let's pray.